Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. There's been some requests that I do some follow-up podcasts on investing. So I'm going to unpack real estate investing for you in a couple podcasts here. I'm going to go over why I think real estate is the best for you. If you have extra income from your pool service business, why I think you should be looking at real estate investing versus putting your money in the market. And I'll go over some of the pros of real estate for you here. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. Just a note that I am not an expert on this and I am not a licensed financial advisor. However, we have been investing in real estate since 1997 So I do have a lot of practical experience, and this is one of the things that I, of course, give you advice on when I give you the pool podcast here. And I think I have enough practical experience in this field to kind of guide you and at least give you an overview so that you can make your informed decision on where to put your money. And as a pool service owner or pool service provider or pool service company, you're making a profit, and then you may be scratching your head thinking, well, where do I put my extra money? I don't want to just put it in the bank and let it go down with the inflation rate of 8%, when in actuality, the inflation rate is probably a lot higher than that. I'm thinking more like 20 or 30%. The way they do the inflation numbers is kind of, um, you know, I guess fixed, or I don't know how you would say it. They kind of stack it so that the inflation doesn't look as bad as it is. But, you know, in our industry, we know that the inflation rate, in a lot of cases, is over 100% on the pool products that we purchase prior to two years ago. And I think this is one of the things that you should be aware of. And the money in the bank is losing value. So, you know, just keep it simple. If you had $100,000 in the bank and you just kept it in there, then it's technically only worth 92000 the next year and then so forth. You're losing money because if you're not investing it and growing it, you're actually losing money at that point. Now you can sit down with a financial planner and they're going to be more geared towards having you invest your money in the stock market through mutual funds or through direct stock purchases or through the fund that they have at their brokerage firm. So just be aware that if you do meet with a financial planner, they're going to kind of steer you towards investing in the stock market versus investing in real estate because they don't make any money off of you when you buy a a real estate property. They make money off of you when they manage your portfolio, which includes all the things that they sell you, whether it be a whole life policy you know, all these things that they have available. So what I'm saying here is that that's an option for you. For sure, you want to diversify and you may want to put some money in the market. I like real estate for one big reason, and that is that your asset doesn't really lose value unless you sell it in a down market. And if you contrast that with the stock market, if the market goes down 20% in one year, which it's doing right now, You've lost that money and it just disappears. It doesn't exist anymore. Whereas the real estate market, if it does go down, if you don't sell the house, 
you don't lose any money and you still own that property, and chances are it's going to rebound and go back up. There's only actually been one down year in, I think, the last 20 years in real estate. That was 2008. So the real estate market has always been up, and you're always going to have equity because, as you know, everything gets more expensive every year. And you've probably heard, like, your grandparents bought their first house for, like, 30000 But they were getting, you know, 50 cents an hour in their salary. And so even if it doesn't adjust up based on appreciation in the area, it's going to adjust up based on the fact that the dollar is worth less than it was worth back in like 1940, 1950, 1970. I mean, in 1970, you can buy just about all the groceries for the week. And I think it was like $16 and you have all the groceries you need. Now it's like $90 for just something that gets you partially through the week. So you can see how that translates in the property you purchase. And if you buy something for, let's say, 400000 today, in at least 15 or 20 years from now, just by the fact that the dollar becomes less valued, that property may be worth 800000 in 20 years, just on that increase of maybe 2 or 3% a year based on the inflation rate. So that in itself is one reason why real estate is a great investment. Plus, it's something tangible. You can drive past it and you own that particular property. And I really think that as a pool pro, you actually have an advantage over a lot of other investors, and that is you have really good customer relations. In fact, I think you probably should have really good customer relations, but in fact, this attribute really translates into you being able to be a good landlord to your tenant. The fact that you deal with customers all the time and put out, you know, solve problems, put out fires, will translate usually into the fact that you are a good landlord and you're going to manage your property correctly. Now, you can get a property manager. I haven't gone that direction because I kind of like picking my tenants, and it's not super difficult if you do it correctly, and definitely there are a lot of resources out there that will help you pick them. They make it really simple. If you put your listing on Zillow, they'll actually screen all the tenants for you. This is part of what they do, and it's one of their aspects that people may not be aware of, but if you put your rental listing on Zillow, They'll actually fill out, they'll actually charge them to fill an application out. They'll run the credit, the background check, and just about everything you need to screen the tenants. So it makes it really easy to pick the right person just using something as simple as listing it on Zillow. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. And I would say that the other benefits of real estate are the tax benefits. So one thing about being a business owner is that you know that when you file your taxes, you don't have a lot of write-offs anymore like you used to. Yes, you have your business expenses and things like that, but there used to be a lot more things that you could write off personally, like your health insurance, you know, even some educational stuff, and all that's pretty much gone. So you need to find ways to kind of offset your income because hopefully you're making really good money out there with your pool service business and you're paying a lot of taxes to the IRS, and therefore you're looking for not necessarily a tax shelter, but a way for the IRS to take less of your money because on paper it looks like you're making less money when you own real estate. So you would file a Schedule E. It's easy to remember because real estate, so E is for the particular deductions that you're going to put on your taxes here, and you're going to deduct your mortgage payment, your property tax, any kind of utilities that you pay on the property, any kind of repairs or upgrades you put in there, and then you get an added bonus the IRS actually sees your home as a depreciation asset, depreciating asset, I should say, which means that over the 22-year period, you can deduct 
a percentage of your house because it's actually quote unquote getting older and losing value. And then after the 22 years is up, people are saying, well, what do you do then? You know, what, how do you, do you sell the property? And my thing to you is you should probably never sell anything you own. And I'll touch on that in a second here. But what you need to do basically is just do a capital improvement on the property, something large, a big remodeling project. I did that to one of my properties about seven years ago. It was getting close to being at the end of the depreciation table I bought in 2001. And I did a full remodel. It cost 80000 back then. Probably would cost like 150000 now. But by doing an improvement of that nature, I was able to reset the depreciation. And now I'm able to get the fresh depreciation on this property after the remodel. So there's little tricks like that, that if you have a good CPA, you can give you the ins and outs. So you have the tax benefits, which are huge. And again, if you're self-employed, you're going to need these deductions on the Schedule E. And I think it's something that you may want to just consider just for tax purposes because you can't really do that when you invest in mutual funds or if you have a Roth IRA because that is taxed now and not later and therefore you don't get any deduction on that. And then you also get, technically you can get cash flow. Maybe in this market it's, it's tougher with the higher interest rates, but you can generate cash flow and eventually it's going to generate a lot of cash flow for you. So that's another aspect of real estate that I think the rents are going to pay for your retirement at one point whenever you want to start drawing on that. And then you're going to have a maximum of a 30-year mortgage on there. And every year your tenants are actually paying a portion of that off, maybe four or 6000 every year. And so your loan is getting smaller. And if you keep it for the full 30 years, if you're, let's say, 30 years old and you retire at 60 and you have three or four properties, and all of them are paid off at that point. You're getting all that rent. So you have a maximum of 30 years on that property. I, I would recommend never refinancing and then putting extra money into paying it off early if you can. But essentially, you're going to have a property that's free and clear in 30 years or less. And therefore, that rent will be coming in free and clear. And that's will be a substantial addition to your income in retirement. And finally, you still have the asset of having the property and if it's paid off and it's worth 800,000 in 30 years then you have that money that you put into the real estate that you can sell and pull out of course you have to pay capital gains and hopefully by then it's not super high but in the investing in the mutual fund yes you're putting money in every month and it may grow to a million dollars but then you may get a hit like this year at least $200,000 of your portfolio and if you wanted to cash out or do something at that point, then you've lost that money. But in real estate, since you have that asset and there's no need to sell it unless you really want to sell it, if it goes down in value one year and you hold it for five or six years, it goes back up in value. You haven't lost any money at all unless you sell it versus the market where the money just disappears. So there is that advantage of having that asset where you put all that money into and then you can cash it out later if you wanted to sell it. And I mentioned that you should never sell your real estate. And I think that's the bottom line is you really don't need to sell it. If you wanted to transfer that money into another property, you can do what's called a 1031 exchange. And the IRS will allow you to sell that property. And then you take that money, you have like 90 days to put it into another property of equal or greater value without paying capital gains. So you're never really selling anything and cashing out, so to speak, in real estate. You're just transferring it from one property to another in most cases. Now, how do you get started in the real estate market? Well, of course, you want to buy your first house. And if you're young enough to get started and buy your first home, 
then you want to do that and become a first-time buyer. And there's lots of incentives from the government to do that. And you get a loan with just 3% down, which, I mean, if you can buy something for half a million dollars, just putting 3% down, you know how amazing that actually is. I know that debt is bad. Dave Ramsey speaks against it. But for your first home, I don't think he is against the mortgage. And he's said many a times, if you're not going to keep it for the full 30 years, he doesn't mind you getting a mortgage. And with 3% down, to get a asset worth half a million dollars, it's pretty incredible. So I suggest you start looking to buy your first house and you want to buy in an area that you're going to stay in for about five years. And then at that point, you want to pick another area. And this is one of the keys of investing is that you always want to pick a, an area or a home that you would be comfortable living in. You never want to buy a piece of property where you wouldn't want to live there yourself. And many a times I've stayed overnight in my rentals as they're renovating it or doing some work. And I get the feel for the neighborhood by sleeping overnight there. So back to the the formula here. You have your first house that you bought five years ago. Now you're thinking about moving. And most people just sell their home and buy another home and start over again with a 30-year mortgage. And that's what the banks want you to do. And that's kind of what the realtors want you to do because they make money when they sell the house. But I'm telling you right now, you should probably never sell your home. So if you have a house that you bought five years ago, you're thinking about moving. I would say you can get the equity out of there if there's enough equity in there. Or if you just save up money and put 20% down on another home, you can move in there and keep your primary home and rent that out. So the point is you can acquire real estate really easily by buying your first house, moving in five years, keeping that first house as a rental, moving again five years from then. And each time you move, you're going to have to put a large down payment down because the first time buyer thing is kind of used up on your first home. And you have to put 20% down. So if you buy something for half a million dollars, you're putting $100,000 down on it. And then you're living in that house for five years. Rent that one out, move again. And you see the pattern here, how you can do this every four or five years. And by the end of 20 years, you're going to have four or five houses. And that to me would be the minimal formula for you to build up a good portfolio of homes. And as someone who is making a lot of money in the pool service, you can definitely do this and you want to do this while you're earning that money, while you have that finite time where you're earning, you know, really good income that can be used to buy these, you know, homes you're living in. Now you can, of course, accelerate this very easily by buying other rental properties that you're not moving to. And this requires sometimes more of a down payment because this will be a non-owner occupied purchase. And sometimes the bank will ask you for 25%, even 30% down on a property that you're not going to be living in. You just bought it as a straight investment property. Therefore, it's going to take a little bit more effort. And you're going to need an expert in the field of investing properties. I have one that I can refer to you if you're interested in this person. They work with self-employed. And they can just look at your tax returns that you send them. Look at all your income. And flat out tell you if you can actually buy an investment property at this time or not. And what to do to kind of get ready for that. And so this leads me to a lot of other aspects of investing, which I'll probably cover uh, deeper in the second part. But I just wanted to give you an overview of why I think real estate is the best. You have the tax benefits, of course. Then you have the money that you're putting in there, going into an asset that's going to grow over time, whether that growth is something natural like the area appreciating in value or something just plain part of the economy where the dollar gets worth less each year making the cost of buying a house more expensive, thereby increasing the value of that house. 
And then you also have the rental income you can generate from that property and the fact that anything you put in there can be, you know, written off on your taxes, like I mentioned, but the tenant is actually paying down the mortgage for you. So if you had a tenant stay for 20 years and you paid off the mortgage in 20 years, technically they actually paid off the mortgage for you. So that's a win-win for you and a win-win from them because you're providing them with a house and somewhere to live for that 20-year period. And people do need a place to live, and so there's always going to be the need for rentals. I think that as a person buying homes and renting them, you're actually doing a service for the community because you're providing a place that maybe housing, you know, government housing projects can't provide. You're providing a quality of life for these individuals that they can't find in an apartment complex. I always make sure that I have a new stove in the house. Everything is new. I fix anything that breaks within 24 hours. I put new driveways in, I put artificial turf in, I put new windows in, I do whatever I can to make the place where, again, I would like to live there myself, therefore they're living in a house that I would live in no problem, or a duplex or triplex that I would live in, and that is creating something that the government wants you to create, and that's why they give you all these incentives, because they really want you to create housing, because they can't do it all themselves, so they'll give you the tax write-offs. They'll give you the special incentive to buy your first home at 3% down. If you're a veteran, you can buy it for a dollar down, like my dad did with his first home. So there's a lot of incentives out there by the government because they want you to create housing for them, and they really want to help you create housing. Plus, they get a lot of money from the property tax that's generated. Not all the property tax goes just to the state. It goes, it trickles down everywhere, and so they really want that housing created by you as an investor. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention this one aspect of investing that at least we do, and I think you should model this also, and that's having a strong equity position in all of your investments. So for instance, if you are someone, and I know someone who did this, where they bought six homes, they really had no money in the bank, they really had no equity, they didn't have their primary mortgage paid down far enough to draw any equity out of their house, and they actually went bankrupt because when the market tipped or when they lost a tenant, they couldn't fill that vacancy quick enough. They started losing money and they lost all their properties through foreclosure because they couldn't handle it. And I think this is one of the dangers when you're investing is that you don't want to stick your neck out. You want to invest more like a turtle, in my opinion, where you're staying close to all of everything that you have. You don't, you know, turtles will pull their neck in when they need to. And that's what I mean by having a strong equity position. So if you buy your first house, I would really put some money towards saving for a second home. And then I would put a big amount towards paying down your mortgage on your primary residence so that you have that equity and you have that good equity position. And when I say equity, I mean that if something were to happen, you you can liquidate some assets pretty quickly and you have cash on hand so that you're not going to have to sell the rental or it's going to be foreclosed you don't miss any payments so you want to have you want to be in a position where you can bail yourself out basically if you need to so you don't want to stretch yourself too thin i would say buy your first house start paying down that mortgage start saving money up and then you have a window of 3 to 4 years where you can expand out and start investing if you do it too soon and too quickly you can be upside down and you can really be in a pickle if something goes wrong if you get hurt and you can't do your pool service or something else happens or something happens in the economy, you want to be prepared by having a good equity position, which basically means that you don't have debt over a certain ratio. 
you know, Dave Ramsey will be okay with you if you're in an equity position of 30%. I personally like having an equity position of 80%, which means that most of my assets are paid off. And if I need to, I can sell something easily. And I only have 20% debt as far as my rental properties. And most of them are, again, free and clear and paid off. So you want to, of course, invest with that whatever way you feel comfortable. But I'm just saying that a stronger equity position makes things a lot easier for you. If you have a vacancy for two or three months, it's not a big deal. You're not panicking. And the strong equity position will prevent you from having to sell something or from going bankrupt because you can got in over your head. So that's just the final note that I would say here. When you start investing in real estate, you really want to make sure you have strong equity, either a lot of cash on hand, a big emergency fund, or equity in a property that you can pull out when you need to. So in the second part here, I'll go over how you would get started, and I'll go over some tips for you in that aspect. And I hope you found this helpful. If you're looking for podcasts, of course, on pool business and pool care, you could find a whole bunch of those. I have over 900 episodes. Go to my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and on the banner, click on the podcast icon. That'll take you to a drop-down menu of more practical pool care um, episodes, of course. And if you're interested in the coaching program, you can learn more about that at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.